With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Tuesday, on which we now have 10 days left to address our issues. And frankly, my confidence in Jurgen Klopp's ability to do so is waning massively because he doesn't seem to want to do so. He seems to be waiting for the right player and whatever else he likes to do, rather than moving for the obvious choice who would improve us enormously. Um, Now, look, it's hard to know what's going on behind the scenes because nobody knew that Endo was going to happen. None of the journalists had a sniff. His name was never mentioned all summer by any of them. So clearly there are alternatives to the names that are being banded about. And very clearly, not a single one of the local journalists have a breeze of what's going on. So there's that to factor in. What we know is there is money to spend. There is considerable money available to Jurgen Klopp to spend and strengthen the squad and get us in a position where we have a shot this season. As things stand, we have no hope. We have no hope of winning the league. We have no hope of challenging for the league. And we have very little hope of winning any of the domestic cups because we don't have the squad. Now, for me, the bare minimum acceptable return this this season would be top four and a cup. And anything less than that is unacceptable. And any failures this season will fall squarely at the feet of Jurgen Klopp, as they did for last season when he was the architect of our disastrous campaign. He is once again the architect of this summer, which, let's be fair, no matter what happens in the last 10 days, this summer cannot be tagged as a successful one. Because this is a summer where a broken process has been exposed to everybody. And everybody knows Liverpool are not functioning well behind the scenes at this point. There's a reason that clubs no longer allow the manager 
to run recruitment and oversee everything. There's a reason we have sporting directors, technical directors, and directors of football. There is a reason for that. There's a reason every club does that. And you can go up and down the Premier League. You can go all across Europe. That is the model. At any successful club, that is the model. And no manager at a major club has the amount of power that Jurgen Klopp has at Liverpool. None. Not Guardiola. Not Carlo Ancelotti. Not Diego Simeone. None of them have the amount of power he has. And while English football pushed back on this model for far too long because, you know, gammon and Brexit and all the rest, this European model that they were all scared of, this is the model that has been working for the top teams since the 80s. And this model isn't a European model. This model is the American model. This model is the general manager, head coach model from US sports. Baseball, basketball, hockey, or ice hockey, obviously, and American football. This is their model. And if we take a look at US sports over the last 40 years or so, there's only really three examples of organizations having real success with one person having complete autonomy. Three examples. There's the Kansas City Chiefs with Andy Reid. And Andy Reid basically has the run of the franchise. But Andy Reid also knows what he can and can't do. So he has very, very good people in all positions to support him. He's not hiring from the scrap heap. He's getting the best of the best to help him. Now, he will have final say on pretty much everything. But Brett Veach is outstanding. Now, again, he's an Andy Reid subordinate. He's an Andy Reid appointment into that role. But Mark Donovan, the team president, has oversight. Brett Veach is the general manager. He was a coaching intern under Reid in Philadelphia, moved up through that organization. When Reed left and went to Kansas, he followed him, and he has gradually been promoted with Kansas. But he's Andy Reed's subordinate, but he's very, very good at his job. He's very, very good. And if Andy Reed were to leave tomorrow, the Chiefs would already have a really good general manager there. They could just give him more control, more power. Bill Belichick with the New England Patriots. He's probably the one that's had the most control, the most oversight of anybody. 
of any US franchise in the last 40 years. He does everything. And that was all well and good while they had Tom Brady and they won six Super Bowls. But now, five years without a Super Bowl, a couple of poor seasons in the interim, there are a lot of questions being asked about whether he should still be allowed to have this level of control. Now, he's not going to give it up. And he's won them six Super Bowls. So at this point, you just probably roll with it until he decides to retire. Now, he's made a lot of questionable decisions. And without Brady, hasn't been able to win. Now, Andy Reid hasn't won without Mahomes. You've got to have that great player as well. In in the NFL, it's got to be that great quarterback. But you've got to have that standout player. For years, Belichick had Brady. Now, Reid has Mahomes. So, having the very best player does kind of seem key to this. The third option or the third example here is Greg Popovich with San Antonio. He's won five NBA championships, but again, he had one of the all-time greats in Tim Duncan there. But he also had R.C. Buford. Now, R.C. Buford was as good as they came as a general manager. He's been replaced by Brian Wright, who's kind of overseen much of what's been a rebuild. And we'll see how they go in the next couple of years. But Popovich is the team president. He has oversight. Brian Wright reports to him. There are your three examples where it's worked. There's a litany of examples where it hasn't worked. I'll just give you two. Doc Rivers was seen as one of the best coaches in the NBA when he was with the Boston Celtics, and he won an NBA championship. A couple of years later, he goes to the Clippers, and he's basically team president and head coach. He appoints his own general manager to oversee the day-to-day while Doc makes all the big, important decisions. That's kind of what Liverpool have right now. A great coach who's making all the big decisions and has appointed a patsy to come in and do whatever little bits he can't be arsed doing himself. Doc Rivers was unsuccessful, shall we say, in his time with the Clippers to the point where eventually the ownership had to turn around and say, look, this isn't going to work. We're going to change this. You're the coach. If you want to stay as coach, that's fine. But we're bringing in real people to run the basketball operations side of things. Another example is Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau was was an assistant with the Celtics under Doc Rivers, then became the Chicago Bulls head coach. And then he went to Minnesota, my beloved Minnesota Timberwolves. And I was very excited. We were getting one of the best coaches in the NBA. Unfortunately, we also made him team president and allowed him to appoint his own Patsy as general manager. And the basketball operation side of the organization was an absolute shambles. Tibbs has since been fired. He's gone to New York, where he now 
coaches the Knicks. And he's very, very good again because he's just the coach. And there's real decision makers working above him. See, my concern with Jurgen is and has always been that he tries to take on far too much and he ends up becoming Arsene Wenger circa 2007 to the end of his reign with the Gunners. Wenger, prior to that, was one of the very best coaches in the world, one of the best managers the game had seen. He was a revolutionary. He was an innovator. He brought great methodology to Arsenal, but he wasn't the lead decision maker. That had always been David Dean. Jürgen wasn't the lead decision maker at Liverpool until probably the summer of 2019 when he won the European Cup. He probably got more power at that point and he's since been accumulating power as is widely reported by, reported by a number of journalists. And that has not been to the benefit of the club. Yes, we won the league title the year after, but with the same methodology and same players as had won the, the European Cup. Since then, though, it has been it has been difficult. Dreadful 2021 season. Obviously, a, a, a great 21-22 season or an almost great season. Uh, people will say, oh, we were two games in the quad. But the fact of the matter is we didn't win the quad. We won two domestic cups. And it doesn't matter if you lose the league by goal difference or by 20 points. If you lose the league, you lose the league. Simple as that. Your your league medal doesn't come with points totals or how many points the team below you were carved on the back of it. You don't get an extra medal because you finished second by a point or took it to the final day. There's no there's no cup for that. You lose the European Cup final, you just lose the European Cup final. They don't give you a little a plaque or a shield that says lost the European Cup final. They give you your loser's medal and they send you on your way. And it is a loser's medal. And then last season was was a shambles, an absolute shambles. And it reminded me a lot of the 14-15 season, if I'm being honest. Um, ineptitude, team that looked like it had given up, coach that looked a little bit disconnected from his team. One good run of form that kind of swung it back in his favour. But I've been trying to think of other examples where people have been given, you know, autonomy and it's been successful. And outside of those three that I mentioned, Belichick, Reed, and Popovich, and I, I would I would throw out the Belichick and Reed examples purely on the basis of American football is so heavily weighted on who your quarterback is that I think when you have by far the best guy, which Belichick had and now Reed has, does make your job an awful lot easier. You know, when Andy Reed had Alex Smith, he wasn't winning much. When Bill was in Cleveland, he wasn't winning much. Didn't win anything with Drew Bledsoe either. Hasn't won anything since Tom Brady. 
not winning anything with Mac Jones. Popovich is the one that I think is relevant, though, because basketball, like football, is a is a continuous sport. American football is one action at a time, the same as baseball. So it's quite hard to make the comparison. But basketball is an end-to-end type of game. You score, we try and score. So I do think the Popovich example is relevant to, can it work in football? Yeah, it probably can if if you've still got the best people around you. And the thing with, with San Antonio is, not only was it always, or has for the last 20, Duncan came in 97, so we're 26 years. 26 years, it's been kind of the model franchise for a lot of reasons. Player development, but also coaching development and executive development. You go and look at the head coaches and general managers of all NBA teams, and you will be flabbergasted by how many of them either coached under Popovich or worked in the front office under R.C. Buford. Like, they always had this immense brain collective. Again, something we had and have driven away. Now, there's still a lot of intelligent people at the club, like Will Spearman, but how much say are they actually getting? How much how much involvement are they being allowed? Like I say, my worry with Klopp is that he, he becomes that late era of anger where he's he's stretched far too thin and there's nobody to pull him back. And he's gonna make bad decisions, and he has made bad decisions. He made a bad decision in the summer of twenty twenty one or the, the January of twenty twenty one. He made a bad decision in the summer of 2021. He made a bad decision last summer. And he's making a bad decision this summer as well. He needs oversight. We need to go back to what won us major silverware, which is having a great structure around a great coach and allowing Jürgen's sole focus to be on the team and nothing else. And I know he likes to have his people around him. I know he likes to have people he trusts in, you know, certain positions like Cronmeyer and people like that, or Cornmeyer, whatever, whichever way his name is spelled. But sometimes for his own good, he just needs to be reined in. It's the same as, you know, you look at great players over the years, like Steven Gerrard always wanted to play in central midfield, but all the best managers he had knew that that wasn't the role for him. He didn't have the discipline to play that role. So you play him wide or you play him advanced. Gerrard thought he knew best, but he didn't. Jürgen thinks he knows best, but he might not. There's other more qualified people who can make better decisions in terms of the football operations of the club. And I think no matter what happens for the last 10 days of this window, come September 1st, there needs to be an overhaul of the structure of Liverpool Football Club. And Jürgen needs to get on board with it. And it needs to involve an elite sporting director with oversight 
not an administrator, not someone who's going to come in and be a patsy, someone who's going to come in and have the ability to say no to Jürgen or to tell Jürgen, this is what's happening now. This is what we're doing here. Simple as that, really. Um, I don't really have anything else. On This Is Anfield, there are a couple of pieces. One about potential versatile midfield targets. So there's uh, Kefren Turam, Ryan Gravenberch, Matthias Nunes, and uh, Jesper Lindstrom. Uh, none of these are capable of playing as defensive midfielders, which for me, to just rule them all out. Now, if you're going to pick them, Turam is the best option among them. Nunes is the best player right now. Turam is the best option for the long term. Turam is the one who has the highest upside. And it isn't actually all that close. Um... Turam is... Turam is the one to go with from that list. Then there's a list of nine multifunctional midfielders Liverpool could now sign. So obviously Jimbo said that a a specialist six wasn't been sought. That's a word salad that means nothing. Um, Anyway, players listed here. Matthias Nunes, Lukas Sukic, Ryan Gravenberch, Jesper Lindstrom, Kefren Turam, Andre, Ibrahim Sanger, Czech Dekure, Manu Kone. Um, Dekure and Kone are the best options on this list in terms of what we need. Dekure is the best option, then Kone. They can play six or eight. Dekure is more of a six who can play as an eight. Kone right now is probably more of an eight who could be converted to a six. Sanger is a six who can play as an eight. I think Andre is an eight in Europe, but he could do a job for you as a six. Turam is an eight who who can play as a six and has done so in the past. Uh, Lindstrom is a pure eight. Gravenberch is a pure eight. He'd be horrendous as a six. Uh, Sukic is a, a pure, pure number eight. And so is Matthias Nunes, though he can play in a double pivot at least. Um, as I said, none of the journalists really seem to know what's going on, so I wouldn't be worrying too much about what they're saying. But I am worried that Jurgen is not going to do what's required. Um, Liverpool have launched an appeal against Alexis's red card to argue the three-match ban. It does seem like the hope is more that he might get a one-match ban rather than the three-match. So maybe they will reduce the ban on appeal. That's probably more the hope than getting it overturned because they just rarely get overturned. But fingers crossed it does get overturned. It would be a massive help if it does. Um... Liverpool hopes to avoid Levi Colwell transfer repeat. I, I don't really know what that means. Liverpool has four-man midfield transfer shortlist. Um, 
Media Digest. So Rudy Galetti, who, to be fair, is about as reliable as Indy Kayla, um, he named Gravenberch, Kone, Turam, and Amrabat. Amrabat would have made sense as a backup. He would have made sense in the endo role. Kone and Turam, neither of them. Turam is the higher ceiling player, but he is an eight. And it, we've already signed two really good eights. Now, unless we're going to move to a four box two, which I wouldn't be against, I must say, wouldn't be against it at all. I don't really see the purpose of signing Kefren Turam at this point. Manu Kone, he could be a six. He's a great ball winner. He's hugely energetic. The concern with him is injuries. Ryan Gravenberch makes no sense for us at all because we don't need another eight. He's not getting in our team. He's not even making the bench some weeks if it's based on merit. Simple as that. Because is he more talented than Curtis Jones? Maybe. Curtis is very talented. And Curtis is much better defensively than Ryan Gravenberch. Now, could he get on the bench over Harvey Elliott? Maybe. Is he going to get on the bench over Thiago? Highly unlikely. So I don't know what the point would be. Now, what I will say is most of the people mentioning Gravenberch are absolute spoofers, like Christian Falk and this idiot. And Jimbo. Spoofers. Um... Roy Hodgson said that Michael Lise staying at Crystal Palace proves that they do not have to lose their best players. And that's true. And that is true. However, if they want to spend money this summer, I'm pretty certain they're going to have to make a sale because they signed Matthias Frank and that seemed to be the budget. Now they've been linked to a right back. All of a sudden there's links to goalkeepers, expensive ones as well, like Dean Henderson. If they're looking for a goalkeeper, why would we not go to them and say, we'll give you Queeving Kelleher as part of a deal for Decore, and then we could look to find a replacement for Kelleher, which we're going to have to do at some point anyway. And maybe Joseph... um, Borsic, is that his name? Borsic? The kid that came through at Stoke, he was really good, went to Club Bruges. I think it's Borsic. You know how I am with pronouncing names. Let me just make sure of my... It's not Bosric, isn't it? It is Borsic, yeah, Borsic. Um, He's really good, 23. Plenty of experience. Like 115 games under his belt. He was England first choice all the way through the age groups from under 17 to under 21. So he's got to be one option. And obviously classes as a homegrown player. Um, Josh Griffiths is another at West Brom that perhaps we could Consider now he's a little bit short for Liverpool goalkeeper. He's six foot one, 
but it is only one inch between him and Bursic, so not going to rule him out. But he's somebody that was linked to us at one point. Again, he's played 123 games of club football, so, you know, decent amount of experience. Um, there's the Patterson kid at Sunderland, Anthony Patterson. He's someone that's been linked to us and apparently we have interest in. Uh, he's 6'2". He's got 92 games of senior football under his belt. 23 years of age. Could well be just ready for the step up. I don't know if Etienne Green would count as homegrown. I don't think he would because I think he moved to France when he was like four. Yeah, he moved to France when he was four and he's only ever been in French Academy, so he wouldn't class as homegrown even though he is in England under 21 international. Um, Supremely talented and he has the size and build and everything that we look for. But I think if, if we could get Joseph Bursick in for 10 million, but we could knock 20 million off the off the fee for Dekure by using Callagher. I, I think that benefits everybody. Really do. I don't know. Anyway, um, anfieldindex.com. What have we got? Uh, Gabri Viega, who was long. Long link to Liverpool. Looks like he will go to Napoli. There's a piece about Andre. A piece about Gerald Kwanzaa. A piece about... Ivan Tony admitting he is a Liverpool fan. Uh, there's a piece about Endo. Podcast-wise then, Trev is back. Himself and Dave Davis did a transfer show which you can now listen to so that's it that's all i have for today folks um i'll talk to you tomorrow bye-bye we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show the best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.